0: This Gunnar Asias, and you are listening to Breathe In, a Cystic Fibrosis Podcast, presented by the Boomer Esiason Foundation and Gunnar Asiasen.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a Cystic Fibrosis Podcast are that of Gunnar Esiason, Leah Ferrone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esiason Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, hey, it's Gunnar Asaias and we're back for another episode of Breathe In Podcast. I'm only joined by Tiffany today. Leah's not here. Leah had to take a sick day. It's okay. She it happens. did. We it hope happens.
1: she feels better. Yes, we do
0: hope Leah feels better when we back with us next week. But filling Leah's shoes, which are very tough shoes to fill, we have Amanda Varnes with us today. Amanda is 23 years old with cystic fibrosis. Amanda, why don't you say hi to the folks at home?
2: Hey guys, I'm happy to be here. Filling in some big shoes today. <laughs> yes, you are
0: filling in some big shoes. Um, so Amanda is from Florida, she's 23 years old, and you've had two double lung transplants. Two. double lung transplants. Yes. Um, and then you also have CFRD, as if you didn't have enough, uh, enough health you issues. you got to
2: add another thing, you know. got to keep
0: it <laughs> Yes, exactly. So we have a lot to talk about today. We have, we'll go through some of the transplants, but then we also want to talk about CFRD. We actually haven't talked about CFRD yet. On the podcast, I know Tiffany. I know you are insulin dependent. Um, yeah. So we kind of have some stuff to go through there. But uh, Amanda, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself to start the podcast off with?
2: Um. Well, uh, like I said, I've had I got diagnosed in a year, um, about a year and a month actually, almost to the day. Um, mm-hmm. kind of lived in a little childhood everyone had CF. Like I didn't really think I was any different until I got older. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought everyone did breathing treatments and stuff it's like incredible. that. Um, but I was super active, dance, gymnastics, the whole nine yards. I did it all through high school. It probably wasn't until college where like, it was a, it was a fast decline. I ended up getting a fungus in like third grade, uh-huh. and it ended up becoming pan-resistant, so I couldn't have any antifungals to treat it, wow. which led to the first transplant. And then I went back to school three months post-transplant to college, and then I ended up getting just a bout of rejection and infection, and it just kind of snowballed. And they, it was like one of those things that just kind of happened. And then I ended up having needing the a second um, in January. And the first one was in May 20, of 2015. The second one was in January of 2017. And she had it
1: right after me, her second yeah. one.
0: So there's that's a lot to digest there. A little, yeah. little, <laughs> little CF pun digestion. <laughs> okay. Um, so, okay. So what was it? I mean, so 2015, what is that? That's three years ago now. So you were 20 years old when you had your first transplant? Yes. Yes. Um, wow, that's a lot to go through as a twenty-year-old. What mm-hmm. um, What was that like? Because I mean, that's you know right in the middle of when most kids are either in college or you know you kind of just finished up high school a couple yeah. years before. You know, what was it like to be going through that at such a young age?
2: Um, well, I kind of my doctor kind of knew when the time came for a transplant that it would happen very fast, and so I started going to my transplant center after I graduated high school, mm-hmm. and I'd be, I would go back every three months or six months or so. I was you know. Thirty to twenty percent lung function, not on oxygen, and they're like, "You're not in your window yet." Like, yeah. keep going. Like, I was super active even in college, yeah. and then literally on one Friday, I packed up my sophomore dorm room, and the next Friday, it was airlifted to my transplant center. Yeah. It was put on was put on ECMO and the vent. Wow! And it was just it was just that fast. Was like, there
0: was there like a like an individual situation that kind of triggered the whole thing, or um, like did it just or was it spiraling in that direction?
2: It was more of like. It just, I, like, I think I kind of attributed it to, like, I had exam week, and so I thought maybe I'm just tired. Like, right. And then I was just home, I was like, I Stress. just need to rest. And then, like, one Friday, I, like, coughed, and it was essentially, like, I felt like I plugged up my last free airway and went uh, into respiratory distress, Distress. And oh, I like, went wow. to the wow. So, what's ECMO for
1: anybody that doesn't know?
2: ECMO is the heart and lung bypass machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it pretty much, it's really... For like not for weak stomachs, like it really it literally takes the blood out of your body, oxygenates it, and puts it back in. So it's like
0: life support essentially.
2: Yeah. It is life support, yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah, so
0: you were on life support for a few days, and then how long were you in that state before lungs became available?
2: Um, I was on ECMO and the vent for two or fourteen days before I got my hours. call. Well, I got a couple calls. Uh-huh. Um, but the one that took was two weeks. Wow. so
0: I, kn- I know uh, I know a little bit about um, you know life sport and ECMO just from you know uh, from uh, people talking about it a little bit um, and and there's from what I understand there's, there's only so much time that you can actually be on it right yeah. there's only so much time that you can spend on it like mm-hmm. you know it sort of is like a little bit of a ticking time bomb now were yeah. you were you awake and conscious and knowing all this was happening or were you kind of sedated and uh, you know what what where like what was what was that like for you to be in that?
2: Um, I was conscious. I actually, it's really a very, it takes a team. You walk on ECMO, uh-huh. the transplant center, they have you get up and they have you walk. And it's like, it takes longer to get you ready than it does to actually walk. Um, yeah. but that's definitely, and I always say like, you know, my parents people are like, you've been through so much. I'm like, yeah, but my parents had to like visibly see me like in that state. And so I say they've been through a lot because they had to watch me go through. Oh, yeah. I've seen it from, the outside, and they're looking at me, so, um, but I, they actually extended my, how how long I was on ECMO, because they're, like, her call's coming, like, she's strong, like, I was, because I was so active before, yeah. that my body and my muscles hadn't deteriorated yet, so uh-huh. I was super strong in that, in that aspect.
1: Yeah, and like they say, you should always build your muscle before mm-hmm. transplant, it's so important, yeah. and especially in your case, you had to go into respiratory, basically failure, mm-hmm. and... Um, you needed that muscle to yeah. keep you
2: going. Into and your like call. going off of that, essentially, for my second, it was I was sicker going into my second because I had been so mm-hmm. sick and my muscles deteriorated, and right. I was so much weaker. Because people think, oh, you're going to be stronger going into your second. It was harder in that right. aspect of it.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. So. so I mean the. Let's kind of – there's so much to talk about. Let's go – let's, well, let's back up know. a little further. You said something a little interesting actually. Um, you said you had a fungal infection. So that's actually something that we don't really talk a lot about in CF, right? Okay. If you even look at the cystic fibrosis registry, you don't really see a lot of uh, information about fungals on there. or And they don't really even talk about uh, fungal infections and antifungals and stuff like that when they do talk about infections. It's kind of like just all kind of – like brushed to the side, it seems like, and there's a lot yeah. of people that that do struggle with them in a, in a really big way. So you know, I it it I've actually never met anyone who had such quite you know uh, experience you know that you that you've had. So what mm-hmm. was that like growing up like with the fungal infection? I mean, what were you taking like? Anti, were you taking different antifungals? Were you inhaling antifungals? I do not even know how that works. Yeah. Um, well,
2: it it was at first when I first found the like when they do like the cultures and stuff like that they dismissed it as a lab contaminant because they'd never seen it. Uh-huh.
3: And so oh, wow. they're like,
2: no, it's just a lab contaminant. Like we'll do another sample. And it came back again. And they're like, hmm. So they just did like a simple round of like antifungals. It mm-hmm. would, it, like my numbers went back up and then it just kept on that, that antifungal would become resistant. Another one would become mm-hmm. resistant. And then they started doing like, like I would, it, I was like one of the like first few people to just like try inhaled amphotericin, yeah. which is normally a IV drug. Um, just to get it right into the lungs, right towards that fungus, and so a lot of it was just trial and error. Uh-huh. So it then it, it just became completely pain resistant and that's when they're like, okay, like we need to start thinking about transplant. That would be yeah. essentially the only way. Wow, that's, unbelie-
0: like, that's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, yeah. And like growing up, I didn't really deal with like the typical CF bugs, like pseudomonas and all right. that stuff, because the fungus, the fungus just kind of took over all of that. So, but yeah. I mean, like I. Did so I did like the classic and like colozyme and stuff like that. So uh-huh. yeah. But wow, it was cool. mostly trial and error. Wow, so that, you didn't have rough. any bacteria at all? Um barely With... if I did, it would be treated really fast and it would not yeah. an issue. The biggest thing was the fungus for me.
0: Okay. Wow. That's crazy. That's so I've I've really never even heard of it. That. Um yeah. that's unbelievable. So okay, now let's like change gears. Let's go to the <laughs> second <laughs> transplant. Um what so what what sort of led to that? You know, it sound you know it seems like there really wasn't a long period of time between the two. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, is that did you know i hate to say like did you feel like you were like a little bit of a failure in the sense that like you you couldn't keep the lungs healthy is that i don't you know i don't know the emotions that people yeah. go through is that how you felt i'm not saying that you were a failure but i'm saying is that how you maybe felt because it. you couldn't keep them healthy or maybe you felt like you got a bad you know bad set of lungs or you know what does it feel like to be in that situation where you need a second transplant like oh my god i have to do this again is is that kind of how you, like like what what, yeah. what, are, what are those emotions like
2: it's it's super scary. Like, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. It was more of like a, well, I don't understand why. Like, I, uh-huh. right, I'm i super compliant with everything that I do. Like, I I was like, I've never missed a dose of my anti-rejection meds. Like, why oh. did it happen? Like, if I needed antibiotics, I would take my antibiotics. Uh-huh. Like, it was just one of those things, like, why? Uh-huh. And, like, there's not that answer why. And, like, my doctors told me, they're like, there's nothing short of you just besides not taking your meds. That could cause this, it just happened, mm-hmm. um, and so it do, you do kind of feel like like, well, what did I do wrong? like what can I like what did I do to kind of put myself in a situation, and there's not? like mm-hmm. I was you know active, I did what I needed to do, I uh-huh. mm-hmm, exercised and all that stuff, which is yeah. it's just kind of those one in a million things, I think
1: yeah, totally
0: Now what, what but did that
2: weight was harder
0: what sure. what uh, so okay, we'll get to that in a minute now what did that feel like? I guess, compared to your CF lung decline? Like, was it a similar feeling, like, yeah. physically? Um, a, yeah,
1: that's an interesting question. It was
2: a lot worse. My, wow. you know, yeah. it was, it was unlike, I say, like, the second decline was so much worse than the first, because I think my body compensated for yeah. my first decline, because it was, like, it kind of adapted. This one was so quick that it was just, oh. it hit me, like, a ton of bricks. Yeah, uh-huh. so, it went from kind of, like, being able to get up and breathe to, like, Standing up and being like, okay, I got to take this slow because I'm super out of wind. But -hmm. it was a lot different. It was just like, I feel like you're drowning all the time. Uh Um, So, and like, I would get claustrophobic and I'm not claustrophobic.
0: Yeah, It's
2: just all those and like the anxiety of like thinking, oh, I have to get up and go to the bathroom to walk. Mm -hmm. That like makes you nervous. Right.
0: Well, I mean, you, you've already you've already been through it once, right? So you, yeah. you know, you've already you've already been to hell and yeah. back once. You know, you know what that's like. You don't, It's like it's like yeah. I don't. Do I really have to go back there again? You yeah. know, how long were you on the list uh, the second time around?
2: Two weeks again. Wow, oh, wow. So yeah. You're just a two week girl.
0: Wow. <laughs> T- talking to Tiffany here. Tiffany was spent like an eternity on the transfer. Got, list. You know, two
1: years and eight months. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, what are you going to do? I got, I got. The perfect set of lungs for me, and then she got hers.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it goes to show you like the the wide range of like experiences on it, right? Like yeah. some people like just kind of zip right through it. I mean, I've talked to someone. Uh, you know, we had someone on uh, on another BEF podcast a long, you know, quite a while ago, and uh-huh. you know, she was just kind of talking to us like, "How? Yeah." She was like, "Oh yeah, I came home from work one day, I wasn't feeling so good. Next thing you know, I was in a coma, and the following day, yeah. like like two days later, I had lungs. Like it's that's crazy. crazy.
1: It's crazy how it can." progressed that fast
2: Everyone's mind was no so different yeah too.
1: and mine wasn't like that it was very slow and then <laughs> when it got to that point it was like okay it's ready so yeah it's it's insane and to hear how it felt for you from the second time that you had to go through mm-hmm. that it was worse it's kind of crazy because you're right you do compensate um with cf lungs because you're so used to it yeah and then like when i had my collapsed lung after my transplant I didn't even know because I was so used to my old lungs,
2: mm-hmm. and I was
1: used to not breathing as well. So, like, like you said that, and that makes total sense.
2: Well, see, like, I will say, like, my, for after my first transplant, when I was still in the hospital, mm-hmm. I ended up having a lot of, like, complications that are kind of normally common with transplant, like, having a reaction to, like, ProGraph, which is one of the yeah. anti-rejection meds, and I ended up having, like, seizures and, like, code blue, all uh-huh. that jazz. Sure, sure. And then with the second, like, I was like, okay, I know what to expect. Like, I know it's Mm going to be hard. And they were like, you know, like, second transplant's a lot more painful. It's a lot, like, the recovery's longer. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. But I was out of the hospital quicker after my second than I was my (laughs) first. Right. Like, they were like, I remember I was like, okay, like, it it was close to my birthday. My birthday's in February. And I was like, mom, like, all I want is the big... Two, three, two, two balloons in my room. She's like, okay, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and then they came in there. They They're like, do you want to go home? We're like, what? Yeah. I'm like, of course <laughs> you really do. Yeah. And so it's just one of those things, like, it's different for everyone. Like, my second was a little bit. I'm not in as much pain as I was. Some people have a lot of pain. It's just, yeah it's different for each person
0: it's, a, like it's amazing to people. hear you talk about it like so matter of fact like oh there's a code yeah. blue i was having stroke it's yeah, like, you know it's yeah, like I yeah, like. <laughs> yeah it was yeah, having I'm a just reaction watching. to Bo-Graph. yeah i mean it's like yeah okay let's react cause you've been through a, you've been through a lot of stuff um yeah.
2: like things don't shock me anymore <laughs> yeah i mean i can
0: hardly imagine i can probably not be able to think of a single thing that would shock you depending after yeah. you know having lived right. on life support um yeah. So, okay, now let's change gears entirely again, because we haven't really talked about CFRD on the podcast yeah. here. And I, I want to know, because I don't have CFRD, um, you know, I'm not insulin dependent. Uh, I, You know, I do watch my, my blood sugars, though. I'm, I'm pretty cognizant of it. Um, yeah. So wh- what, what is CFRD for people who we may not know?
2: Um, CFRD is cystic fibrosis of related diabetes. It's not technically type 1 or type 2. It's its own category. Um, and... For me, I actually got diagnosed with it um, when I was 16 because my the the fungus I had fed on sugar. And this was at the point where they were like, we have to like cover all of our bases. Let's do the glucose tolerance test. Let's see where your A1C is, which is how they see how if you're diabetic or not. And mine was super borderline. Like I wasn't quite diabetic, but I was right there. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, let's just start you on some night some daytime some nighttime insulin, and get you through the night and see how that helps. And then it wasn't until I got a little bit later into, I think I was about uh, sophomore in high school when I started doing mealtime insulin.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, that's when I, I pretty much do insulin with every single thing I eat or uh-huh. drink that has sugar in it. So.
0: And do you still now? Do you still have CFRD even though you're post transplant? Yes,
2: I probably will, especially now since I'm on steroids. It it hikes that sugar right up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so, but mine's not because of mine's not steroid induced. It's.
0: It's Actual CFRD,
2: like yeah. because yeah. she had it before,
1: so I would think it would get worse with the steroids. Since mm-hmm. with me it has caused me to be insulin dependent due to the prednisone. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm just wondering how it was to go through all that with having that fungus and then having CF and then ha- adding the CFRD. To it was.
2: It was really like one of those things. Like I was like. Before I even had, not joking, but like before I had the CFRD, I was like, I can't, like, a, you know, you get your blood sugar checked at clinic just to yeah. see where it is, and like I have to have the nurse do it because it would freak me out to have to like inflict pain <laughs> on myself. Oh, and yeah. they were like, right. "But you have to do it at night." I like, uh-huh. so was like, "Okay, well, it was just one of those things. Like, I kind of take things as they come. I don't try to overwhelm myself." And so I was like, mm-hmm. "You know what? This is just another thing. It's fine. Like, we'll just kind of add it into." Morning, it's like brushing your teeth, you know, check right. your sugar. So Yeah. Yep.
0: That's, a, that's an interesting way of putting it. Like you're just brushing your teeth and checking your sugar. You know, I think, you know, we hear a lot of, uh, especially I, I, whenever I go to my CF family days and I'm, you know, meeting families and stuff like that, I, I talk to a lot of parents and they have kids that are either just diagnosed with CFRD or, you know, they're, they're thinking about, you know, getting the test for CFRD because they're showing the signs of it or whatever. And it, it seems like it's an enormous task for the family because it's like mm-hmm. just an entirely different world. Right? Because yeah. it's just totally different from the run of the mill CF treatments. But the way you talk about it, you make it sound like it was easier for you to do than your CF treatments. Like, then your standalone treatments in the morning, and treatments at night. You know, it does it kind of yeah. feel that way? Um, it was one or of did those it feel that way?
2: Like, it did, but when I was at that point in my CF life, my treatment regimen was so hectic uh-huh. that uh-huh. it's like, what's one more thing? Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. What is one more thing that was thrown at me? <laughs> yeah, so I was doing, you know, I was like I said, I was active. I danced like five days a week, mm-hmm. practically, and so it was like wake up, do your. I would do my hair and makeup during my treatments right right. before I would go to school. Like it was, it was just one of, another one of those things. You're like, okay, I got to check sugar now. I got to do insulin before I go to bed. Like, mm-hmm. don't, don't like don't like kind of cut back on some sugar stuff, which was hard for me because I have a sweet tooth. <laughs> uh-huh. but...
0: So what what was that like? What was changing your diet like? Was that a challenge or? Did it take – was it gradual or – because I know some people also with CFRD don't necessarily shift their diet like entirely, right? There's people right. who are tube-fed and they need their overnight feeds and the overnight feeds are just like inundated with sugar, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. th- so those are the kind of people who don't like – don't really have the luxury of being able to change their diet very much even though they have CFRD. Is, mm-hmm. Now, did you have to change your diet a lot? Was it a big change for you? Was it tough? Um,
2: I ate pretty well. I'm like – I've always eaten pretty well. My mom kind of steered me in that direction as a kid. My parents did. Mm. Um, because they knew, you know, you had CF, you have to eat a certain diet. And so it wasn't too much of a change for me. I think whenever I stood like when I did my transplant, I got my first feeding tube
3: because uh-huh. I
2: wasn't the, I didn't have a feeding tube at all growing up. Yeah, And so that was more of like, oh, we have to do checker insulin more yeah. because of the constant tube feeds.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so do do you still true. have a feeding tube?
2: I do not. I got it taken out right before like three months post, I think. Uh, okay.
0: Post your second transplant?
2: Yes, and yeah. post my first.
0: Oh, so you I had it put had in done. then put out? The, oh, my God. Yeah. I can't imagine having to go through the, the G-tube surgery twice. That is the worst thing ever. Oh, my oh God. God. The so recovery bad. is so bad.
1: You are, like, bedridden for yeah. a couple days because it, it hurts was- so
2: bad. <laughs> my mom's like, you've had, like, a – like, I have got it the second time. They're like, you've had a transplant. I'm like, this is such a different pain. Yeah. It's so different. Pain. <laughs> like-
0: it's amazing. Oh. It's me. You're actually the second one that's actually like considered to be, like <laughs> – different or worse tiffany also considers it to be worse too that's like amazing to even think that
1: it was it hurts so bad i remember laying in there i'd had transplant it was probably two weeks after my transplant they put it in and i the doctor came in and i told him i was like this hurts so bad i'm not moving (laughs) because <laughs> they wanted me to move because you know after transplant you need to go move and stuff there was yeah. no way I was moving I was being stubborn I told them it hurts so bad I need to rest
2: <laughs> well, like, so, they do like the
1: NG tube before you get it
2: and like yeah I was like not, I would not move into bed like my head would not turn I like if they call oh. me I just like move my eyes yeah know, and, and, and uh, I was like it was the most and then like I got the um Nissen surgery which is the acid reflux surgery Oh, um, because they found a lot of that. Sometimes acid reflux causes rejection. So after my first, oh. they're like, "This is a required surgery." Right. And that that was it was like all in my stomach, and I was like, oh. Oh. like I was like, I was this is the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. So what <laughs> what is the
0: Nissen surgery for people who may not know? I.
2: It's a stomach wrap surgery. So essentially, uh-huh. it like wraps your stomach around itself from preventing acid reflux from aspirating into your lungs. Yeah. yeah. So it's a requirement at my center. They do this pH probe to see how much, like, the acid's in your stomach, and depending on what that number is, depends on what kind of missing or wrap you get.
1: I, uh, hate, I hate that test, by the way. It's the, the worst. Probe?
2: Oh, my gosh. No. so
0: bad. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> uh, you, you guys make this sound like a dream, by the way. Um,
2: <laughs> hey, but you get to breathe. Like, no, You get to breathe. That, <laughs> that was like, such some a like, stuff revelation is. for me after my first was, like, not having breathing treatments. Yeah. Like, I remember I told my mom, I was like, I, I was like with transplant and like all of that comes with that. And like my CF regimen, I was like, mom, like college is going to be hard. She was like, what do you mean treatment? So I was like, you know, like all the best treatment. She was like, you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, see? And like I just cried. Like oh, I just, I didn't realize it because it was so emergency. Yeah. In the first time. So. so
1: now you only needed your pills and your insulin.
2: Yeah. To go to college. Yeah. I, I have to, to wake up like 45 minutes before I actually have to start getting ready. Yes.
0: It's, so, uh, it must be like a very freeing thing to like not – I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. you feel the same way too. Like you just have so much more time in your day, I imagine.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. You get to actually go live a little, you know? You don't have to be strapped to a vest or <laughs> a tube very or smart. something like that. <laughs> you know? It's, um, it's a great feeling.
2: Yeah. And
1: we're very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. For the donors, I say, a lot
2: of people like we get asked all the time. It's like we still have CF. Yeah, I'm like my lungs don't, but the rest of my body does. <laughs> exactly,
1: I still have it in my sinuses, my digestive system, and you have the CFRD. Yeah,
2: yeah. So,
1: yeah, it's um, it's weird that people
2: think that it's a cure when it's definitely not. It's
1: yeah, opposite of that.
2: Yeah. And see, like that's kind of like my thing. I'm like, you know, I think it's transplant's amazing. Mm-hmm. But if there was a cure, we wouldn't have to worry about it. Because essentially yeah. you're trading CF for transplant. Like it's two different you're going on a whole different regimen of medications because mm-hmm. you have a transplant now. So yeah. even though our lungs are not have CF, our lives have transplant now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Got that CFN, that
1: transplant life going yeah. on. <laughs> so I, I do have
0: a few more questions about CFRD. Um, okay. You know, I do, do you have, uh, like, an extra doctor that you go see now? Like, do, is, there, like, is there a specific doctor that manages your CFRD?
2: Yes, I go see an endocrinologist, which is the – they do all, like, the blood sugar and stuff like that. Um, I pretty much check, with, check in with my endocrinologist every now and then. She kind of mm-hmm. just checks to see how my sugars are running, if I need more insulin, less insulin. Mm-hmm. If I need to change insulin or go on any medications. Because right now I'm just on um, mealtime insulin and then a long-acting nighttime insulin. So I'm mm-hmm. not taking any di- like diabetes uh-huh. pills or anything like that. Do, you, um, um, that. do you carb count? Is that how you do your... I don't. I just do a set unit depending oh. on how high my sugar is. Okay. Okay.
0: So when you say carb count, Tiffany, for people who may not yeah. know what that is, like explain what that process is, and so then and then Amanda, you can like say what you yeah. do in comparison to that.
1: So <laughs> with um, my diabetes that I go off of, I do one insulin unit per fifteen grams of carbs in that meal. So if I had a meal that had forty-five grams of carbs in it, I would take three units of insulin. That's how mm. you carb count. Okay. Yeah.
2: I've never carb counted, so that's a different perspective for me. Like, what I'll do is I'll check my sugar before I'm about to eat, and if it's over 200, Uh if it's, like, 200 to 250, you just add one unit, depending on what, like, you're staining. Like, your my set one is, like, eight units per meal, depending on how high my blood sugar is. So if it's under 200, I'll just do eight. If it's over 200, I'll do one, and then 250 up, two, and so on. So it goes up by 50 is how many we try to decide how many units it is yeah. but if it's just under 100 I mean just under 100 I'll do um under 200 I'll just do my regular eight units yeah that yeah. so. makes sense but one thing too is like we have to be careful about like exercise can also make yes. your sugar drop and that's the worst feeling ever is having yep. a low blood sugar
1: oh it is and I want to eat everything I don't know about you but whenever I get a low blood sugar I wanna eat every single thing in the pantry. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, make, yeah. I literally make pasta, I go I find some pizza or I find cookies and I just eat it all and then my stomach gets mad at me. But yeah. then my sugar's fine.
2: <laughs> so yeah, it's, like catch twenty two. Like I'll like I always have like little bottles of apple juice in my fridge yeah. or like I'll have like where there's caramels in my purse in case uh-huh. they're out and it drops. Mm-hmm. Um, but literally, I'll like chug that juice and eat some caramel. And I'm like, okay, I feel better, and then like two hours later, I'm like, oh, great, my sugar's high.
1: Right. It's just a roller coaster, and yeah. it doesn't stop. And like, my boyfriend has type one, so that kind of helps me learn about diabetes before mm-hmm. I even had it. So that I knew all about like the sugar highs and lows and stuff. So I was able to kind of learn before yeah. I had to do it which helped a lot. So, yeah. And did you know anything
2: about CFRD before you got it? I had no idea. I didn't even know that that was, like, a thing. Yeah. And then, because I wasn't symptomatic. Right. They just were, they were just testing all of it just to see. And then they were like, oh, you have this. And I got a booklet, and I was like, what? <gasps> the <booklet>. world? <laughs> yeah, they yeah, always give booklet. you booklets for stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, I always love how hospitals like manage that. Like they give you like there's either like some sort of like critical information or like you're coming out of surgery and they're trying to tell you something. Like you're either in an anesthetic haze or you're just like totally like ridden with anxiety or stress. Yeah, and yeah. like yeah, I'm absolutely not like digesting any single thing you're telling me right now <laughs> like <laughs> like none of this is being absorbed it's going in one ear and right at the next like they, right. it's like they always manage to tell you like the, the things the worst possible yes. moment
2: like uh-huh. i had um a central line place the other day and i guess they told me how it went before I came to you, my mom was like, how'd it go? And I'm like, oh, I guess it went fine. She's like, they didn't talk to us, did so they talk to you? I'm like, they did, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, but it's, that, I mean, that's exactly the thing, right? They like, it's just, they, it's all like just the part of the machine, right? And You're just yeah. kind of in there and you're stuck and you kind of just like are at right, the whim of whatever they decide to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty funny. That's, uh, <laughs> that's actually really funny. Um, so now wh- where are you at now, Amanda? Like, what, what, are you, what are you doing now?
2: Well, I we just moved to Florida. My dad was in the Air Force. He retired. So we're actually originally from Florida, but we've lived in Virginia for the past 13 years. Um, and so he got a job down here, and I actually got a job with his, com- with the company he works for, too. So dad and I will be doing the father-daughter working, <laughs> um, But he works for a, a jet aggressor. Um, they contract, like, um, jets for, like, the military to help train with from, like, other countries. So, like, the the enemy jets so i'll be doing like purchasing the parts for the jets oh cool which is like i'm really like a hair and makeup girl like tiffany knows and <laughs> yeah. i'll be working with jets so.
0: <laughs> yeah quite the, that is quite the career change for you um yes. <laughs> but if, if anything's perfect i mean i'm sure you'll do great um you know i i think uh you know moving forward here you know we're, we're sort of running out of time a little bit you know what what do you sort of um you know what do you do to manage your health like how, how do you stay healthy yeah that's well, why I gets coming like, exercise,
2: exercise. I cannot like reiterate this enough for like CF patients and post transplant. you've gotta exercise. you gotta move, you've gotta hydrate like all of those important things like I'm always drinking water and I try to almost every day I do two miles on the treadmill, I make sure I'm always moving always because like even when you feel bad, that's when you need to move the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've gotta uh-huh. keep the lung, the air going through those lungs, so exactly.
0: That is that that is you are one thousand percent right. <laughs> We've never had someone agree with me one thousand percent of the time, and here we finally found her, Tiffany. We have finally found the person <laughs> who agrees with me. Um Okay, so we're just about done. We always like to give you the last word, the guest the last word. What is uh we'll ask for a lot of advice from you because you've been through a lot. Yeah, um uh, we always yeah. like to ask for some <laughs> advice from uh from our guests. So um First, what would you say to somebody who was just diagnosed with CFRD? What is your advice for that person or for that family?
2: Um, Just first, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. It's one of those things you're overwhelmed at first. But honestly, you've been through the worst as far as CF-wise. Just to kind of do what your doctor says. You know, if you need to cut sugar out, cut it out slowly. Don't cut it out cold turkey. Because I feel like that kind of, that would freak freak me out. So it was one of those (laughs) gradual things. Or you switch it with fruit. Because that's more of a natural sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, But just to kind of, just take a break. Just take a breather. Because instead of just like being super anxious about it, which is super common. And I know it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. uh, But yeah, just to take that moment to be like, okay. all right, here's what we're being dealt. This is the hand we're being dealt. Let's just take this one step at a time. Exactly.
0: And then that's great advice. Um, and then second piece of advice for someone who uh, has had one transplant and is now maybe going towards a second, right? I'm sure that's a very difficult time. May feel a little lonely. What What do you want to say to that person?
2: That you know you're not a failure. That you know those lungs are. They got you to mm-hmm. where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just to think about that. You know, I think about that. That waiting time between my first and my second. I just thought about my donor and like where they're going to be, what are they doing? Like I'm you know, hoping that they're having a great time with their family, great Thanksgiving, because it was kind of near that time for me. Um, but just to know that your team, your doctors have got you, like you've got to just be calm because I was very anxious. Yeah. And you are going to be anxious because you can't breathe. Right? Right. And so just to kind of, you know, just to calm your mind, know that you're going to be Okay. And know that pe- that your doctors have got you because I really leaned on my team to get me there because I was very scared and you're going to be scared and you- that's okay. Yeah, so. that is
0: that is great advice. Well, thank you, Amanda, mm-hmm. so much for joining yeah. us. Um, this yeah. was a great interview. You got an awesome personality, despite all you've been through. The fact that you have a, the fact that you have a smile on your face has a lot about you. Um, so you know, I think uh, you know, just absolute tremendous guest. Um, Thank you, Tiffany, for finding her. Yeah, um, well,
1: she's <laughs> one of my transplant besties over here. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> and
1: we love makeup together. We talk about it all the time. So
0: <laughs> That is something I don't agree with. Exactly. Um, Tiffany <laughs> and I don't have that connection, if you were no, wondering.
2: <laughs> You're not, like, swapping, like, makeup no, so
0: no. Sad, together? No, no. Sadly, we aren't. Sadly, Still, we the lip
2: gloss or anything,
1: the highlight. He needs a highlight on fleek in this camera, though.
0: Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Um, okay, well, uh, thank you so much again, Amanda. Uh, Tiffany, where can people find us?
1: They can find us on Instagram at breathe underscore in underscore pod. And they can go to iTunes and SoundCloud and gunnerasaison.com to listen to the podcast. And if you're on iTunes, give us a five star rating, especially for Amanda here. Yes, five stars for Amanda today. Five been, stars for Amanda. Like she's been through hell and back, like Gunner has said. And I think she deserves it. So give us a five star. And um, if you want to email us, you can email us at breathe underscore in underscore pod at com
0: org, So oh, close, wow. you almost had it.
1: Wow. I, uh, oh breathe
0: God, underscore in underscore pod at Ah, oh, I was rooting for you. You almost I, had it.
1: You know what? I did pretty well. You have to give me that. That's
0: like blowing a game in the fourth quarter. Ah oh, Man, I can't believe that just happened. Amanda, you just witnessed a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, That's it. Amanda, have you given us five stars yet?
2: I, I have.
0: You have given us five stars. I have. Wow. See, so How about got that? You. How about that?
2: I've been following y'all for a while now. So yeah, don't see, worry. <laughs> so there you go. Amanda has
0: given us five stars. Everyone else has to now give uh, five stars for Amanda. Well, thanks guys, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we will be back again next Thursday. Uh, I'm Gunnar Sison. That's Amanda Varnes. And of course, Tiffany Rich. We will see you later.
3: Bye. Bye.